0: invite you to turn in your Bible with me tonight to Luke, the Gospel of Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, and we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 13. Wasn't it wonderful to be singing together like that, exactly what we were talking about this morning, the Spirit, um, just moving and encouraging each other with wonderful gospel truth, and uh, what a a joy it is to be part of uh, God's choir Luke chapter 11 is where we're going to be tonight. We're going to look at prayer. We've been studying the Lord's Prayer in high school theology class and uh, talking this morning about the Holy Spirit, and uh, tonight's text really kind of brings those two things together. Uh, You notice that the first part of uh, Luke chapter 11, uh, Jesus' disciples have come to Jesus and asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray, as John taught his disciples. And uh, so Jesus taught them how to pray and taught them the Lord's Prayer and then in the verses 5 through 13, uh, first he taught them what to pray, and then he taught them how to pray. And that's what we have really in our verses uh, tonight. And so we're going to begin at verse 5, and we'll read through verse 13. And he, that is Jesus, said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, of, uh, three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Jesus, you are our teacher tonight, and we thank you for that. I pray you would, by your spirit, make us good disciples. Uh, Lord, may we learn what you have for us. May we see the truth about God in a new way and the wonder of prayer in a fresh way. And We pray, Lord Jesus, um, help us to hear you tonight, and we ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to be... uh, as I prayed uh, at the feet of Jesus, listening as Jesus, the great teacher, teaches us about prayer. Uh, prayer can be a hard topic for Christians. Uh, for some, it is a very painful topic. Uh, their confidence in prayer um, has been deeply shaken by a tragedy in their life. A divorce uh, they never wanted. A child wandering from the Lord. Uh, a loved one who died too soon. And, and they prayed for God to intervene. They prayed for God to to heal, to restore. Uh, they begged God to help, and uh, and the tragedy happened anyway. I remember uh, reading the tragic testimony of a young woman who uh, was telling why she is no longer a Christian. And she said it, 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 the reason is because uh, when she was sexually assaulted, uh, she prayed and prayed that God would help her, and God didn't. And so what good is it... Um, to believe in a God who doesn't help you in your hour of greatest need. Uh, and, and sincere, earnest believers can struggle with questions like that. What do you do when God says no? But the truth is that most Christians are unhappy to some degree with their prayer life. Uh, Kevin Young uh, as I, uh, just wrote this little book called The Lord's Prayer. It's excellent. I highly recommend it to you. Uh, very helpful. And he begins his book like this. Is there any activity more essential to the Christian life and yet more discouraging in the Christian's life than prayer? We know we should pray. We admire those who do pray. And yet when it comes to actually praying, most of us feel like failures. He recounts one pastor who who said, how can something I'm so bad at be God's will for my life? And I think uh, Christians, maybe you feel that way. Uh, That You're just not good at prayer. Your mind wanders. You don't know what to pray for. You don't feel anything when you pray. uh, You can't remember any prayers being answered uh, in a a way that you could say, I prayed and God God, uh, clearly directly answered. And so we sort of fumble about at it. And yet prayer is clearly in Scripture an essential part of the Christian life. Uh, Jesus rescued us from um, alienation from God so we could be in communion with God, so we could talk to Him and bring our petitions and requests before Him. Prayer is at the uh, one of the things that, that marks a healthy spiritual life. <clears throat> the most joyful and godly, uh, spirit-filled people I know are people who pray, who pray. And so tonight, uh, we're going to uh, join the disciples and, and, and say, Lord, teach us. Teach us how to pray. As I said, uh, Jesus responded to that question first by teaching them what to pray. Um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That our prayers ought to be first and foremost about the things of God, the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and, and then to the things that we need. Give us this day our daily bread. And um, uh, for, uh, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. Uh, lead us not into temptation. Uh, we pray for the things pertaining to our lives. So those are the things that we uh, those are the things that we pray for. Now tonight in our text, Jesus teaches us how to pray, how to pray. And tonight we're going to first then see the character of prayer itself, and then the character of the God to whom we pray, and then the gift that God gives. First, Jesus uh, teaches us the character of prayer as he as he tells a story. A story that uh, any uh, of the audience that was listening to him would have been able to easily recognize. Uh, This was very common. Uh, In those days, of course, there are are not hotels or maybe a few inns, but they're rare. Uh, They're not restaurants. And so if you travel, when you you, uh, come to the end of a day, wherever you are, uh, you find a home and you ask to be put up. You ask for lodging. And Jesus tells a story about a man who has this happen to him. People show up uh, late at night, midnight, and they ask for lodging, and he doesn't have any food for them. And so he goes next door. Have you ever sent the kids next door to, well, we need some ketchup, we need some sugar, whatever it is. Uh, well, that's what, that's what this man does. He goes next door and says, I need three loaves of bread. I had some guests show up. I got nothing to feed them, and um, please please, uh, g- give me some bread. And the man uh, who's in bed, it's midnight, which is very late in those days, right? They don't have mindless television to watch, so they just go to bed. And early to bed, early to rise. And uh, so, so he's in bed, and his children are there with him, and it's a hassle. And so he says, no, uh, I'm not getting up. Go away. But um, the man persists. Uh, Jesus says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, right, maybe the man at the door saying, hey, we're friends. I have guests. You're supposed to help me. Uh, Jesus says, even though he won't help because he's a friend, yet because of his persistence, his impudence, because, uh, right, the man keeps knocking on the door, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So, what was the key to the man getting his request? Uh, The key was persistence, impudence. That's what Jesus. Uh, wants us to hear that's what got um, the man out of bed and and got him to the cupboard and got the loaves and brought him to the door Uh, that's what made the prayer in that sense happen Um, moms you know what this is like uh, this idea of persistence when you have a a child tap 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 We, we told our children don't interrupt our conversations just you know tap us on the arm well that was it worked somewhat but it got very frustrating mom 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 Mom, mom, have you ever had those conversations and you're trying to have, and finally what happens? What? Okay. Uh, what, what, made the, the, what made it work? The persistence made it work. Even though uh, the, the, the little one couldn't get your attention you know, because she's your daughter, um, her persistence pays off. That's, that's what Jesus is teaching. That's the point of the story. And so Jesus applies it in verse 9. I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. And the verb tense is there, all continual action. So it's ask and keep on asking. Keep going, mom. Um, Seek and keep seeking. (coughs) Knock and keep on knocking. That's the lesson. And then the promise is in verse 10, for everyone who does that, everyone who asks and keeps asking receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. It's a very broad, very gracious promise. Um, and uh, Jesus is welcoming us then as, as, as the children of God, welcoming us to to go to the Father just that way, with that kind of boldness, with that kind of freedom. Father, Father, Father. Um, not because He's a reluctant Heavenly Father, but Jesus is teaching us to be persistent and and serious about our prayers. And He promises that the Father will answer. Right? Those who ask, receive. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, the door gets opened. Jesus wants us to live our life in that kind of expectant prayer. Uh, Paul speaks of something like this in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Pray expectantly. Pray believing there's, that your heavenly Father delights to hear you. And so Jesus is teaching us to live by prayer and promises uh, that God responds to persistent believing prayers of his children. So it's an incentive for us to pray. But this is also a hard teaching if you've ever prayed and God said no. And so you you prayed and you didn't receive, right? You asked and you didn't receive, you saw it and you didn't you didn't find you knocked and the door was not open and you you knocked with right with, with with all your heart you you asked with tears pouring down your face, you pounded on the door of heaven as you begged God to rescue your marriage, you begged God to save your child or to cure the disease and take away the sinful desire, whatever it might be um, you prayed you prayed the most profoundly and with the most earnestness that you, that you could muster, and, and it didn't work. You didn't receive, you didn't find, and the door remained closed. That is, that is a reality that God's children experience. So what do we do with that in the face of a text like this? Because you gotta, you got to reconcile that experience with this truth. And some people just decide they can't, it, it can't be reconciled. Uh, Some people, like the young woman I mentioned before, just says the promise, it's it's a false promise. It's it's fake. It's not true. Uh, Don't deceive yourself. God doesn't hear. C.S. Lewis, I think, talked about that in his book on pain, that the thing he feared most was was that conclusion. Don't deceive yourself. Uh, He doesn't care. He doesn't hear. And so some people walk away. But sincere Christians can't do that. They know that, that God is real, and, and they believe the Bible is true. But, but a, a text like this can, can, can be a hard teaching, because it, maybe it, it, it sounds like if you just do it right, then it, then it will work. Right? You've got to ask more. You, you've got you to knock harder. Uh, there's a certain bar right that you have to reach of, uh, in order to attain the blessings, to trip the lever. And 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 that can be very discouraging because you don't know how to pray harder. You don't. You you've been praying maybe for years for a certain thing. And it, and it's just discouraging. How high do I have to jump? And wh- and what kind of God is it that would that would make me do that? would make me go through all the, all of that? Why can't He just hear me when I ask? And answer. And so you see, if, if we take this text and turn it into sort of a, a mechanism, a mechanistic idea of, or view of prayer, it's just going to be incredibly discouraging. And clearly, that's not what Jesus is meaning to teach. That's a pagan way of praying, isn't it? Um, that that the, the, your prayers are the lever that, that moves the gods. That's not what Jesus is teaching. So what do we do with these words? Well, let's just follow where the Lord leads. Let's notice what he says next, because the next thing he he, uh, talks about is the character of God. In verse 11, you'll notice there's a shift in the the teaching. Uh, So he's taught the disciples what to pray, verses 1 through 4. He's taught them how to pray, verses 5 through 10. But now he wants them to understand the character of the God to whom they pray. Verse 11, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. Why is He suddenly talking about fathers? And the answer, of course, is because Christians pray to our Father who art in heaven. And Jesus wants us to understand what our Father is like, and so He begins by talking about earthly fathers. Uh, what earthly father, when his child asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Or when a child asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? In other words, what earthly father would give his child something deadly when they ask for food? A basic necessity. And the point, of course, is that, well, no earthly father would do that, unless he's right demonic, The such an act would be completely contrary to the idea of of fatherhood what it means to be a father a father by definition is someone who provides for his family a father by definition gives his children food and and protects his children from from serpents and scorpions even at the risk of his own life that that's at the core of what it means to be a dad and so you see Jesus wants us to grasp what a father is is, what, 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 in, what is inherently true about the office of father, the instinct of a father to give good gifts to his children. And then Jesus says this, if you then, verse 13, who are evil, talking to his disciples, if you human fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see Jesus reminds his listeners that that even the best fathers have corruption, right? Corruption is is in in the hearts of all of us still. And so, and so there are no perfect fathers. And that fact sets up the punchline. If if you then, though you are corrupt, if you still know how to give good, good gifts to your children, if 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 that fatherly instinct still runs deep and true in corrupt men, well how much more your heavenly father? How much more your Father in heaven, how much more will the the God who is perfectly righteous and just and true and good and loving and faithful, how much more will your heavenly Father be a Father to you? You see, every instinct of fathering that's good comes from the Father who is the fountain of all good. And this is a wonderful reminder to, to us when we pray, particularly to those who've been wounded by God's apparent silence in their hour of need. Our, our Father in heaven is, He's not capricious. He's not uncaring. He's not, he's not cruel. He's not unkind. Even though the, the evidence would seem to suggest that He might be, Jesus wants us to, to think about the heart of our Father in heaven. And to understand that though he may decline to answer our pleas, we must imagine him and see him doing that with the most tender care, the most infinite concern. Maybe you've, you've had to take one of your small children to the doctor and, and the doctor had to do something painful, maybe, maybe remove a spot or, or give a painful shot. And, and the doctor says, now I need you to hold him. A little three-year-old guy, right? And, and, and so you hold him, and, and then the procedure begins, and it's painful, and, and the little guy is screaming uh, with pain and screaming with, with, uh, with anguish and a sense of betrayal. What? He trusted you. And now you're, you're holding him and forcing him to undergo this incredibly painful ordeal, and he looks you in the eye. And the question is, how could you do this to me? And, 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 and what's going on? I thought we were friends. And, and yet when he looks into your eyes, he doesn't see disconcern. He doesn't see coldness. He doesn't see apathy. What does he see? He sees love. He sees compassion. He sees concern. And even maybe some grief, that in, in his pain, you're feeling pain too. That's what he sees when he looks into your eyes. And so though he still doesn't understand what's happening, he doesn't understand why is mom allowing this. He knows it's not for lack of love. Because the love is, is there in your eyes. And Jesus wants us to know the character of our Heavenly Father. That no matter what pain he allows into our life, and he allows sometimes unbelievable pain, his face towards us is always compassion, always concern, and even, right, the Bible says in all their afflictions, he too was afflicted. We have a high priest who's, who sympathizes with us in our weakness, who is tempted in every way like us. And so Jesus wants us to see what our Father is like. He's kind, he's compassionate. He is the perfection of what it means to be a father. And note then, thirdly, the gift that he gives. Because the the sentence ends with a surprise. Uh, We would have expected Jesus to complete the comparison by saying, if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father would know how to give good gifts to those who ask? But that's not what he says. He says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Who ask him. Which seems like sort of a strange intrusion. Why why are we now talking about the Holy Spirit? Uh, Jesus has just given this expansive invitation to, to pour out your request to God. Come to the Father and boldly and persistently ask for what's on your heart. And and, and then Jesus promises the whole the, the Father, it will respond to your prayers, and the Father will give you the Holy Spirit. And you might be thinking, well, well, that's not what I really needed. What I, what I needed was my marriage to be restored. I needed my, my husband or my wife to be changed, converted. I needed my wandering children to be brought back, my, my wandering child to be brought back. I, I, I needed uh, the, my, my grandchild to be cured of the cancer. That's what I asked for. That's what I needed how does the gift of the Holy Spirit help? Well, we need to just try to think of and see things the way that Jesus sees things, because you see, Jesus came to to Earth to give us the Holy Spirit. Jesus came specifically to you and to me, alienated, having been alienated from God, right? Um, a vast chasm between us and a holy God because of our sin. Uh, he came to us though we were rebels, though we were uh, on our way to eternal judgment. Uh, we, we existed under the wrath of God. Uh, we were bond, in bondage to death. Jesus came to reconcile us to God. And, and, and not just to reconcile us in a legal sense, but Jesus came so that the Holy Spirit could be given to us, that God himself would come and be with us and dwell within us. And so the Holy Spirit, you see, is the ultimate and definitive gift that God gives. There's there's not a higher one. The Holy Spirit is salvation given to us, God Himself coming. And so in in Acts 2.38, when the men cry out after Peter's sermon, what must we do to be saved? Peter says, repent and be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was talking to the woman at the well in John 4, he said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is asking you for a drink, you would have asked him for the gift, for the drink, for the living water. The Spirit is the ultimate and definitive gift of God. And and think about how that works out. I I owe this to an excellent sermon I heard on this by John MacArthur. he says, just think about how this plays out in actual life. So when you come to God and you ask for help, he gives you the helper. And when you ask for comfort, he gives you the comforter. When you ask for wisdom, he gives you the spirit of wisdom. When you ask for strength, he gives you the spirit of power. When you ask for guidance, he gives you the spirit to guide you, to teach you, to lead you. So, you see, when we, when we pray, our Father hears our request and gives us the divine fountain of every heavenly gift. He doesn't just meet, meet out, right, to hand out small little tokens of, of what we're asking for this. Okay, here's some of that. He gives you, he gives you the whole thing. MacArthur says it's like uh, you ask for some money and God gives you the bank. There's incredible generosity here, that, that God Himself gives Himself to us to live within us. God Himself comes, you see, to care for us, to guide us, to protect us, to, to comfort us to show His mercy to us, to lead us uh, into peace. The things that we most deeply need for our eternal spiritual good, God gives in His Holy Spirit. And so when you pray for things that your heart desires, when when you ask and seek and knock, even when your Heavenly Father says no, even when He doesn't give you the specific thing that you are asking for, Jesus promises He always gives you something else, something more. He gives you His Spirit. He gives you Himself, the Spirit of God Himself. And that that doesn't mean that that the tragedy, the loss is any less painful, but it does mean that our Father is not absent. He's, He's not turned a deaf ear. He's heard our prayer, and He comes Himself by His Spirit to dwell with us. And, and that's the most precious thing in the whole world. That's the most precious thing of all. What, what could be a greater gift than having God himself come to you to comfort you, to protect you, to care for you? You see, and, and, and the Lord Jesus who spoke these words <clears throat> soon after would go to the cross to make them possible, to, to seal this promise to us, Jesus went to the cross specifically so that the Holy Spirit could be given so that the heavenly Father could open out the storehouse of his tre- heavenly treasures and give us himself and in the spirit everything that we most fundamentally and eternally need. The Father gives us the Spirit of Christ. The Father gives himself to care. So that we have strength and mercy and peace. It's it's the gift beneath every gift. And it's the gift that makes every other gift worthwhile. What would it be, right, to have the whole world, to have, to have your perfect family, to have the perfect marriage, to have uh, the, the perfect job, to have perfect health, and to have it all of your life and not have that? It's just ashes. And so we trust that our Father in heaven knows how best to lead us through this life and, and that our Father will ask us sometimes devastatingly hard things, but when we pray, Jesus tells us, that Jesus who died for us, when we pray, our Father hears every time. And he answers every time. He gives us his Holy Spirit. When I was in a seminary, we had a choir. It was one of the highlights of my time in seminary, directed by Eric Hausler. Many of you know him. And one of the favorite songs, my favorite songs that we sang was, He Giveth More Grace. It goes like this. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches... In Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Brothers and sisters, that's the truth about our God. And so let's pray to a Father who loves us and gave his Son for us, and and to Jesus who loved us and opened the door that the Holy Spirit might come to us. Let's pray, believing all that Jesus has taught us, Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, I I thank you, Father, that you invite us to pray. Jesus, I thank you that you died so that our prayers might be heard and that, Father, you gave your son so that you could respond with an ultimate yes. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have come to live within us. To comfort us and strengthen us, to lead us and guide us in truth, to, to bring us to our eternal home. And Father, I pray for your people tonight. Lord prayer is hard for some of us. There's a lot of pain or maybe just frustration. And maybe, Lord, um, we don't really believe that you hear. It doesn't seem like you really care. And Jesus, I I just pray that your words would convince us that it isn't true, that the Jesus who taught us this lesson died on a cross for us because it was his Father's will and that the Holy Spirit really is what we need most and is the most precious gift we could ever ask for and the Spirit is able to do abundantly more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And so, Father, I pray that you would lead us then to pray with confidence, to draw near to the throne of grace with boldness, in the conviction that we will find all the grace that we need in our time of need, even, Father, if if you don't give us the specific thing that we're asking, you give us yourself, you give us the Spirit, you give us all that we need in Him. And so, Lord, I pray that you would teach us then how to pray with expectation, how to pray with joy. Uh, Lord, even through the tears, with a great great confidence that you are our Father and you love us. And that, again, Father, you say yes in the most beautiful way as you give us your spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Let's respond to the word of God tonight by singing again, uh, number 629, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our griefs pains to bear. Let's stand together and sing what a friend we have in Jesus. benediction we're going to close with one more hymn when peace like a river verses one through four receive the benediction now may the grace of the lord jesus christ and the love of god the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all amen